So far in this season, we've taken a look at the business end of production at the Joffrey Ballet with President Greg Cameron and the effort involved in getting the stage at the Lyric Opera of Chicago ready with Cody Chen. And we also learned about the process of putting together the costumes and music in episode two. Now it's time for actual performers to actually take the stage. It's such a spectacular production. Mm -hmm. um, and to see it, um, you know, we've had an opportunity to look at it and think about it. And we're coming to a new theater. Um, so the, and there's a lot of projections involved with it. So we have to remap it. We have a different lighting rig. But I, what I'm thinking is, is that for all the prep work we've been doing, one, I think it's gonna look beautiful. Two, I think the company are gonna dance it spectacularly well. And I think to see, to see a production like this beautiful production of The Nutcracker, um, it just needs to live. So I think to see it come alive again will be fantastic. I'm Keith Conrad, and this is Bringing Up the Lights, a podcast where I'll be giving you a look behind the curtain at the people involved in creating some of the biggest stage productions in the United States. For Christmas in this three-part season, I'll be following along with the Joffrey Ballet in Chicago as they prepare for their production of The Nutcracker in December 2021. Ashley Weeder serves as the artistic director for the Joffrey Ballet. Ashley was born in Scotland, so Chicago may have not been the most obvious career destination for him, but he was always going to have a career in the performing arts. I think it goes back to when I was kind of five years old, six years old. I started dancing when I was six. Um, from there, I went from my kind of local teacher in the UK, I went to the Royal Ballet School. And so that's a professional school. And so it's five years in a boarding school. And then I graduated and moved up into the center of London. And then I joined the Royal Ballet when I was 17. So how many people are studying at the... At the there Ballet were school? eight boys in my year for five okay. years, and there were 12 women in, in my year. So at the Royal Ballet School, there are five years. Mm -hmm. So it's a very small group of people when you think about it. Yeah. Um, and you know, you go through that and you're evaluated every year as to whether you're making the grade or whether you know things are not turning out the way they want them to and of course it's very different now than it was back in the 70s um, mm -hmm. but um, yeah so I went through all all of that and at that time you know so I started performing at Covent Garden when I was 11 um, and so I went right through the school into the company and uh, at that time I also was uh, noticed by Rudolf Nureyev and so I did a lot of performances with Rudolf Nureyev and then at that time he was working with a company called English National Ballet which was then called Festival Ballet and so I left the Royal Ballet and I went to work with Rudolf and I spent three years at Festival Ballet in London and um, got to do a huge amount of huge amount of got to do my first full length. I, Rudolph cast me in The Prince and Sleeping Beauty. I got to do my first Swan Lake, The Nutcracker. And, um, and then when I was um, 21, I was promoted to a principal dancer in London. So obviously you started at a really young age, but what, uh, what uh, made you choose ballet specifically? Over some sort of um, I think my parents loved the arts. I think they loved music, they loved opera, they loved theater. 
Um, so we were exposed to it as very young kids. We all had to learn multiple instruments uh, to play. So I started with piano, I tried violin, but my instrument that I kept up was flute and cello. So I think that, you know, also my sisters, I have three sisters and they all took ballet in this little village hall in the middle of the UK. Um, it's very much a Billy Elliot story. Um, and uh, so I would go along and pick them up with my mom. And there was something, I think for me, first and foremost, it was about the music. And I thought, wow, how amazing that you can actually move to this. Like, you could do this. So. I, I started doing some classes and the teacher thought I was really talented and so she was a huge advocate for me um, growing up, which was kind of amazing. So do you still play instruments now or is that something? I, I something I would like to do when I retire. It's been many <laughs> years. Um, you know, it's just too crazy. Yeah. Like my, my hours are too crazy. So, you know, when my career started taking off, I just, I, I just have to kind of unfortunately put them aside but I've never lost my love for music mm -hmm. and, for, and for me a lot of times like when we're thinking about new creations is what is a commission score gonna sound like and what's it gonna look like for this work so I it's always first and foremost in my head it's like what make even when I'm programming I'm like what is the musical content of this program that we're putting together so when does the artistic director come into the production process? So, you know, we did this new production of Christopher Wilden's Nutcracker back in 2016. So it was originally my idea to redo the Nutcracker. Um, I wanted Chris Wilden to do the Nutcracker, so I make all those decisions. Um, I spoke with Christopher Wilden about it. Like what, what would our Nutcracker look like? Um, we then engaged Brian Selznick, the children's author, to write the narrative for our Nutcracker because it's set in Chicago. So I think that all those decisions I'm making um, in conjunction with Christopher Wilden and then we're bringing in our design team. Um, and then of course, I'm also getting the green light from our board because we had to raise a lot of money. Um, so I, you know, I, my hand is kind of everywhere. And I was with Christopher Wilden when he created it every single day in the studio, um, plus doing all the rest of it as well. Fundraising at night, uh, making decisions about casting. So even now, the Nutcracker is such a big, big uh, undertaking. We have a lot of kids in it. Um, there's a, the entire company are in it. There are many different casts for every different role. So kind of, you know, I, I rehearse, I teach, um, I coach, um, and I really have my, I'm really kind of very much a hands-on person. I want to be in the studio. So uh, that's, that's what I make my time for. What's the difference between the process for putting together, say, the Nutcracker and the rest of the season? I think that, you know, every, like every performance is, is kind of unique. And I think the thing about the Nutcracker is that the version we have now by Christopher Wilden is very different than the version we had before, which was by Robert Joffrey and many other people. Um, so I think that that in its, in its own way is challenging for the company to, to have to like, really get to grips with the choreography of Christopher Wilden. Um, 
And also we, you know, the, there are always casting changes that happen every year. So we try to, you know, we try to give people as many opportunities as possible and so that somebody isn't just doing 30 shows of one role. You know, we try to rotate it because I think it keeps the company healthy, it keeps them more engaged. And it also, it's like giving opportunity. One of the most consistent things I've heard from everyone involved in the production is how much they missed the Nutcracker experience when it was gone last year. I mean, I think that for the company, when we couldn't perform last year, I think they suddenly realized the disappointment of not doing something that they know is going to happen every single year. Mm -hmm. like the Nutcracker happens every year. And that's probably why, uh, you know, sales have been up because people people missed it yeah, yeah exactly so i think that you know it sank in for the company that they weren't going to get their nutcracker and so i think coming back to it now there's a lot of enthusiasm i think that the company are loving being at the lyric opera house they they kind of feel it's their place um and i think that because there are so many opportunities for them to all be seen. They're, they're working really well and they're super excited. In addition to missing the Nutcracker, what sort of an impact did the COVID shutdown have on dancers at the Joffrey Ballet? I think the, I think the challenge for any physical endurance, like whether it's in sport, but certainly in dance, is that if you're not pushing your body to the maximum every time, it, it disappears. You know, mm -hmm. you lose technique, and when you lose technique, you lose the ability to really be able to deliver. And so I think for the company that, um, you know, there was a time when they were all at home, yeah. and you couldn't really, you can't fully work to the end of your energy at home. So, you know, rehearsal in the studio has been really important. And we, we considered that with the company uh, when we came back, that getting them back into shape, into physical shape, was a priority before we started rehearsing. So we gave them almost two months of just what we call our daily technique class, mm -hmm. which is an hour and a half every day, before we then added in six hours of rehearsal because the chances of getting injured are so high if you're not ready for it. You know, there are stepping stones to get to excellence. And so I think that that's how we were looking at it. But people, I mean, you know, I think also the dancers have a responsibility to also take care of themselves. So imagine being a professional athlete who isn't able to play for an entire year. Actually, that's not too hard to imagine since it certainly happened to plenty of athletes during COVID. But that's basically what happened here. We know that any any physical activity takes its toll on your body. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, ballet is as, it takes a, a beating on your body. I mean, I, I think, and so what happens is that, you know, hopefully you're really well trained and you can rely on a technique, but you have to work that technique every day. Because once the technique goes and your body starts to get older, you've got two things compacting and it's really hard. And once you, once you lose it, getting it back is twice the work. Mm -hmm. It's easier to stay in really good shape, but if you take a break, which everyone had to do, and then come back, you know, there are people that really came back 
you know, that never gave up on pushing and pushing and pushing every day. Mm -hmm. And there are other people that I've seen, it's like taking them longer to, to kind of find their rhythm again and to find their technique. Dancers coming back might have physical problems from missing a whole year, but there are also plenty who decided to move on completely after the time off. I think it just changes people's opinion and suddenly it's like, am I going to be on my game when we come back? Yeah. Or have things happened where that interest has waned or there are other things to do in life? And I think that what we've seen in the theatre world is you know, we our, our world is we are we are beholden to ticket sales, mm -hmm. and so I think that for a lot of people, not having any performance ability was really a question for them. Like, what am I going to do in my life if this happens again? Yeah. And so a lot of people, a lot of people did. They 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 decided to go back to school and do other things and look at different professions, and, and especially since you know in in dancing you have. Uh, you know, a lot like sports, it, you have a, a fairly short career. And, and it to is. Miss, to miss a whole year, even if you're able to come back, it seems like that, yeah. that's, a, that's a big hit. Because really, the company, it will almost, yeah, it was 18 months where they really didn't have any, any possibility of like really pushing themselves. Um, so I think that... I would say that for the majority of the company, they have really come back strong. I think that some people struggled, like everyone in the world, you know, everyone responded differently to isolation and not being able to fulfill what they wanted to do. Um, but I think that now that we're back, I think the company are making the most of it. You're right, that a dancer's career is very short. You know, you're, you're lucky if you get to 35, um, 40, with really good technique and really keeping yourself in optimal shape. Have there been any major setbacks getting everyone where they need to be to perform? We, you know, everything has been retaught. So, you know, of course, it's been a while. Um, there are new members of the company. So it's a lot of teaching right now, but we're nearly, we're nearly done with that as of today. So then in the next couple of weeks, it's really pushing, pushing for stamina. So pushing for stamina, um, getting every cast prepared so they all know what they're doing. Because once we get to the theater, it's really tight. And so even though we have maybe four or five different casts for each thing, they will not get a stage call. It's just impossible. Mm -hmm. So they have to be ready now in the studio and then when they get on stage, it'll happen. So the work we do here in the studios is really important. When I talked to Ashley, it was about three weeks from opening night. So where do things stand? So right now we just came off of um, a program that we did in October. So during our run of Nutcracker, we will also be rehearsing Don Quixote, which opens in February. And we will also be rehearsing four other works that go on tour. So our, our um, calendar is really tight. We have, you know, the month of December is Nutcracker. The company have a break right after the Nutcracker. Then January, we come back. We have a full-length ballet in February. We have a three-city tour in March. So there's all of that repertoire. So that, you know, at any one time, we're looking at maybe eight or nine different works that we're rehearsing, you know, in, in rotation. 
so was the uh, production in October? Was that the first one since the it was. pandemic? So that was our, in October, we, we premiered um, the company at the new Lyric Opera House, which is our new home now. Um, and it had been, you know, a good 19 months since we had last hit the stage. And so it was a big, it was a big moment on, on so many levels. But I think the company were ready for that. Um, and I think that clearly the public want to get back into uh, the performing arts and sport and all the rest of it. So I think that we had an amazing turnout at the box office back in October. I think Nutcracker is trending really, really well right now for us. We do a daily. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen that you know where we are normally, we're way ahead year to date of ticket sales. So that's really good. And then I've been doing, I have other meetings, like a lot of production meetings because it's a new theater and we want to look at the production and see how we want to hang the production. And then all the team come in for all the projections and the lighting and everything else. So it's like always something going on. Is there any worry about being out of practice, especially since the dancers and the orchestra spend so little time together before opening night? The way we do it is that they all have their parts. Mm and then they have probably three readings, and then we have a show. Well, I, I, especially but that's where professionals come in. That's why, the, you know, because yeah. professionals, you, they have a responsibility to make sure they really know what they're doing. Like our company have a responsibility to make sure they know what they're doing. And then you rely on that professionalism to get you to that opening night. What impact will moving to a new venue have on the production? Normally, with a, with any other program, we would have two dress re- or two, a, a tech rehearsal and a dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because it's the Nutcracker, we only have one dress rehearsal. Uh, so when would that be in relation to? It's on the Friday evening, and we open on Saturday matinee. So so hopefully there's no, there's no surprises. But but like you said, that's. You know, they're they're professionals. They they are, they're professional. And it's tight. But I think that, you know, um, we're we're thrilled. Our relationship with the Lyric Opera and with the Lyric Opera Orchestra, you know, feeling that kind of partnership um, in that beautiful house is kind of, I don't know, there's a good energy there. There's a really good synergy. And I think that 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 feels very good to us. you know, it, the, the thing about the Lyric, it's such a state-of-the-art house. And backstage, what we can achieve um, has, is really making our life easier. So it was a good move. <laughs> it was a really good move. You know, I think that, with, especially with a big show like The Nutcracker, where you have so, much, so many scenic changes, to be able to automate it, like you can make it seamless. You can make it musical. So we're tight, like everything, we're, every single scene we're tightening up. Um, and all the projections now completely match the change of scene. So they're all on sensors, so that the projection will follow wherever the set goes. So all of that stuff has to be programmed in, but once it's in there, every show will run the same. It's like a Broadway show, you know, you, you want consistency throughout the run. Is that uh, unique to uh, you know, the, the Lyric Opera House, or is that, is that just sort of the, 
you know, I the think, state of the art of this. I think it is state of the art. I think more and more theatres around the world, are, are, everything's becoming automated because I think it, you can just, you can get a really slick show that way. Mm -hmm. And technology has advanced so much and what designers want to use in the theatre now becomes more and more complicated. So projections are huge. Um, and, and I think that what's been really beautiful about everyone at the Lyric is that they have maintained everything. It's in just excellent, excellent shape. Like all the lighting, all the rig. The, uh, the stage is big enough that uh, maybe at some point you can incorporate some drones. Uh, to, you know, make, make yeah, no, it would be very fun. <laughs> the stage is enormous, which is great. So I think that, you know, we in the, and even looking down in the future, I think some of the productions that we want to bring to Chicago, they, they really will work at the Lyric. You know, there is enough, you know, it's a big stage, which is great, but they also have big wings and we need a lot of space on the side of the stage and the back of the stage, and we have all of that. Amanda will be one of the dancers taking the stage during this year's production of The Nutcracker. I've been dancing since before I can remember. Um, I just remember like going on my tippy toes when I was little um, at home. Mm -hmm. uh, then when I was eight, I, my mother finally put me in a ballet school, and I trained in Brazil. I'm from, from Brazil, <laughs> and I uh, I trained in Brazil until I was 14. And mm -hmm. when I was 14, I moved to Boca Raton in Florida to the Herod Conservatory, and I studied ballet there for four years. Um, when I graduated from there, I joined the Joffrey Ballet Academy program as a trainee, and. I was in the academy for a year and I got to work with the company a bit as well so Ashley got to see a bit of my work and after that one year I got a contract with the company and this is my ninth season with the Joffrey. What made Chicago and the Joffrey Ballet the place to be? When you're about to graduate from a, a dance school you you definitely audition everywhere you can to get a job you know our careers are so short so we want to go into getting a job right after we graduate. Um, I took an audition with the Joffrey and I just connected with the way that the company took class and everybody moved. It was so free and fluid. The movement was so, it was very relatable to the way that I move. Um, I loved the dancers and the way that they moved as well and uh, the repertoire of the company was really impressive so once I got offered the trainee spot um, and knowing that it was in Chicago I definitely couldn't pass it up. So what was it like for Amanda to miss the Nutcracker experience last year thanks to COVID? Usually Nutcracker is something that uh, we do every year obviously so for us it becomes very much like second nature to just rehearse and go through rehearsals and, and the weeks kind of seem the same until we get to the stage and then it totally becomes something magical and it transforms. Uh, but getting back to it now after the pandemic is definitely, um, there's this feeling of not taking it for granted anymore and um, getting back to these roles that definitely feel in the spirit of Christmas and the holiday season. Um, to me personally, it's, it's very special because I, 
I don't know, I just, I love the whole holiday season and I remembered that last year it didn't feel the same to me. It didn't feel quite as magical, it didn't feel quite as special. And then I realized it's because Nutcracker was missing. Um, so I definitely, I'm not taking these rehearsal processes um, for granted. Um, it's just been extra special this year. Now that the Nutcracker is back, how does it compare to other performances? As a performer, to have to do Nutcracker this much, like we have about 20, over 20 shows every mm -hmm. year. Um, you know, I, I honestly love it. And it's not to say that, you know, by the third week of doing the same thing repeatedly and we're all tired, doesn't get, you know, challenging. But as soon as that overture plays, and as soon as you see everyone in costumes, and you see the audience, and you see these little girls coming to watch you, and you know being completely mesmerized by the magic of it all, you can't help but just get into it. And and I, I mean, some dancers definitely dread it, <laughs> but I, I'm a sucker for Nutcracker, so I will definitely dive headfirst into the magic whenever I'm on stage for it. What is the rehearsal process like for Amanda and the other dancers? Right now, yeah, we're very much in the, we just went over our choreography, you know, we just got our, our the steps uh, fresh again in our bodies. So right now we're cleaning up the choreography and getting it to look as best as it can. Um, and then we go into um, we go into running the ballet a lot more for our own stamina and for you know the continuation of the ballet for the story for the main characters um, and then we we head into the theater and we finally see our sets we see our our real props we see um, we get to work with the children's cast which is always exciting as well um, so. And then we, we head into performance, um, and then that's when you when you actually hear the orchestra and when you you feel the buzz like in the audience as well. So you don't work with the orchestra before. No, and? no. We we have a dress. We have a couple dress rehearsals before mm -hmm. opening night, um, but before then we are rehearsing with our pianists in the studio. Once we finally get to opening night, what is Ashley hoping people will see up on the stage? It's such a spectacular production. Mm -hmm. um, and to see it, um, you know, we've had an opportunity to look at it and think about it. And we're coming to a new theater. Um, so the, and there's a lot of projections involved with it. So we have to remap it. We have a different lighting rig. But I, what I'm thinking is, is that for all the prep work we've been doing, one, I think it's going to look beautiful. Two, I think the company are going to dance it spectacularly well. And I think to see, to see a production like this beautiful production of The Nutcracker, um, it just needs to live. So I think to see it come alive again will be fantastic. And what does Amanda hope the audience will get out of the experience? People diving into the journey of Nutcracker and I hope that we can take them on the journey all over again and make them feel like Christmas and the holidays is really about family and about being together and, and feeling loved and feeling like you belong somewhere. 
um, that's what I really hope people take from the experience. You know, the, the story is so heartwarming and Marie, the, the main character, definitely has a lot to tell throughout the entire ballet and I hope that the audience can see that and can see how the ending of the Nutcracker will take you, take you into that sense of belonging and family and and love, yeah. Now that Joffrey Ballet is heading into the week of Christmas, not quite knowing what the future holds for this production of The Nutcracker, or the rest of the season for that matter. Regardless of what happens the rest of the way though, the team at the Joffrey Ballet was able to give people a taste of normalcy, so we'll call that mission accomplished. In addition to getting to know performers like Amanda and decision makers like Ashley Weider, in this series I try to shine a light on the people crucial to the success of any production that most people in the audience will never hear about. And I'm hoping to bring you more of those stories in future seasons. Bringing Up the Lights is an original series from Sound Concept Media. It's written and narrated by me, Keith Conrad. Along the way, I had help from the team at the Joffrey Ballet in Chicago and the Silverman Group. 